Welcome to Origins, a podcast about the money behind the money. This podcast is created by Notation, a pre-seed venture capital firm based in Brooklyn, New York. We invest in amazing technical teams and projects in New York City on day zero. You can find us on Twitter at Notation Capital. Season three of Origins is sponsored by Silicon Valley Bank and Carta, formerly known as eShares. Silicon Valley Bank is the bank of the world's most innovative companies and their investors, with a dedicated practice for emerging managers. They've been friends and partners to Notation since the beginning. To learn more about SVB services, visit svb.com. We use Carta at Notation and recommend it to all the startups we work with. But something you might not know is that Carta has a product for LPs too. Carta for LPs allows you to easily sign, send, and store K1s, manage capital calls, review investment KPIs, and more. You can learn more about Carta at carta.com. Uh, Bruce O, so excited to have you here on Origins today. Welcome. Thank you. Um, so just to just to dig in um, and get uh, and get right to it, if you could tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. Uh, sure. So I came to this country uh, almost, I guess now, eighteen years ago uh, to attend college. I was born yep. and raised in China. Um, in a entrepreneurial family, we didn't really use that word back then. Uh, it was really just finding, you know, opportunities and 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 what was interesting, uh, and really not thought about studying outside of China, except for a quite random uh, opportunity. Yeah, which which you know, we don't have to go into on this okay. talk, but but that opened my uh, eyes to to this possibility, and then so I came came over here. In 1999, and um, and 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 since then, um, which which university? I went to Williams College. Okay, um, and you know, I got into the business world uh, career starting as a strategy consultant. Okay, and monitor group. Okay, uh, this is long before it was acquired by Deloitte. Yeah, um, and this was 99 pre. Bubble or post bubble? This is pre. Uh, this is post bubble. Post bubble. I joined. Okay. Monitor. Okay. And and so I was primarily doing you know more traditional corporate strategy work, mm-hmm. but also M and A advisory work uh, for monitors, private equity and venture clients. Yep. Uh, believe it or not, and and then um, I came quite close to deciding on uh, you know joining a West Coast based. Uh, venture firm mm-hmm. when I was ready to leave Monitor mm-hmm. after three years, um, and and for personal reasons, you, you know, my wife was pursuing a PhD on the East Coast. Okay, at that time, we, we decided to stay on on the East Coast, and that GP introduced me to Grove Street. Okay, so then I joined Grove Street in two thousand seven. Got it. So you've been at Grove Street for. 10 years now. Could you tell us a little bit about the firm? Absolutely. So we are a, uh, Grove Street is a 19-year-old company. It was funded in 1998 um, and it's had a remarkably consistent business. So we manage capital uh, for a very small number of large 
institutional investors, including some families, uh, focusing exclusively on the private markets. And, and within that, specifically on venture capital and small buyouts. Yeah. Um, that's, the, that's the business. It's a fully aligned business model where the partners of Grove Street co-invest with our clients okay. uh, with personal capital. And, uh, you know, we try to earn carry. Um, yep. You know, uh, based if we can deliver um, certain returns, and and we do, um, you know, over the nineteen year history, we've had thirteen investors. Um, okay, so highly concentrated LP base for Grove Street. That, that's right. Okay, um, but in in that model, what we find is we can be very very focused and very very customized. Right. We can. We can uh, instead of serving 200 clients, right, right. we can uh, deliver the level of service that's that's hard to do if you had that many clients versus 13. And we can also customize for each one of them right. um, to their needs. Right. Centered on what we are most active, obviously. Right. Um, so would you, you, would you describe Grove Street as a fund of funds? So you can, probably the best way to think of us is... Um, you know, people use words like separate accounts okay. or uh, fund of ones is probably a good way to think about it. Because each, uh, because for each of your 13 clients, the fund strategies or the, the funds that you're investing might be a little different. Is that right? right? Because for each one of the client, you can think of it that the legal vehicle that we establish for them um you know, LP, generally an LP or LLC, uh, would have one of them as the owning LP. Yep. Right. So yep. it's one of fund one. Yep. Um, and, and, and plus our, right. our co GP right. co-investment. So it's almost like, uh, forgive me if I'm, if I'm butchering this, but it's almost like, uh, a dedicated fund of funds for each client that you work with. Yes, I think that that's a good way to think about it. Okay. And maybe the maybe the other comparison we actually just interviewed someone uh uh a month ago from Cambridge Associates, maybe similar to similar to Cambridge, uh you advise each client very tailored portfolio, but instead of taking advisory fees, you're actually co-investing with them and earning carry if you do well. Right. So, right. The difference there would be, you know, we we don't do any advisory work. Right. right? Despite the, the, you know, our company name, Grove Street Advisors. Right. Um, we 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 are the fiduciary. Yep. Um, we, yep. you know, are responsible ultimately for investing and managing Right, each of those vehicles, yep. from you know the first investment being made to the last company sold out of the last fund. Yep. Um, so that, that that's the only business we've had, and 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 the only business we intention to have. Yep. So you've been with Grove Street for a decade now. Um, how has your work with the firm, and we'll get into what the firm does and who you invest who which, which firms your investors in but um how has your work in particular evolved with the firm over the past mm -hmm. 10 years so that's a great question i think um in, in some ways it has been more constant than change but but change is also constant right if right. you know what i mean right. um you know our investment focus hasn't changed much right it, you know i said earlier it's venture capital it's uh, small and mid-sized buyouts, yep. and and that has been very very true. 
Um, so I think, you know, I have always been a uh, generalist um, across, within the constraints of our focus area. Yep. Um, and that's intentionally so among the partnership. If you look at each of if the partners, um, we, we try to do that. But it's also natural that over time, you know, with our prior body of work, where our relationships build and et cetera, each of us could gravitate towards, right, different areas where we, we tend to then spend more and more time. Mm -hmm. So when you say, when you describe yourself as a generalist, um, just so that we understand, that means you invest globally, um, you invest potentially across almost any stage, very early stage, all the way to buyout. And you invest in venture and private equity and buyout. And um, is that correct? Um, and, and, and if it is, how do you <laughs> like cover all of those things all of and, right, and, right. Make, and make sense of that? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So um, yes, when I say generalist, it's, it's, it's general across you, you know the, the target areas of Grove Street, yep. which um, if you think along lines of company stages, that's correct. So, so we we do invest in you know very early stage venture capital firms, um, and all the way to right mature, you know growth mature buyouts to right. turnaround, right. Um, and we do it globally as well. Although um, I would say you know our our clear focus is still very much in 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 the proven markets, um, right? So so you know I always think of when you take risks of investing in a fund. Um, right. There, there, there are so many different types of risks, mm -hmm. and you know, I think we, you know, if you're trying to compound a newer team risk versus also a less proven market risk, right. um, you know, it may, it may not. You know, data, historical data would suggest that you don't necessarily get paid to be super early. Okay. Um, that said, you know, we have been in early in some of the international markets. Okay. In, in, you know, relatively. Right. So I want to talk a, um, a little bit about your work across the globe because we've had uh, a number of LPs on this show over the last couple of years, and they tend to be quite focused around U.S. and, mm -hmm. and even within U.S. venture. This is an impossibly broad question, but you know, can you describe maybe your work as it relates to the U.S. Um, mm. first China in particular, because mm -hmm. I think you mm. you mentioned you 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 cover China on behalf of of Grove Street, and you obviously um, grew up there and, and and know the market very well. Yeah, um, so it, it is a it is a broad question, and it's a good question. I think um, you know first of First of all, let, let's just maybe stay in, in the realm of venture capital. Sure. Um, yeah. For, for the for yeah. discussion, y you know, it's still very much our belief that um, in the U.S. and particularly um, right West Coast, followed by a few other centers here, like like New York as well and Boston, um, are still represent the lion's share of the opportunity sets. Okay. And 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 as a result, that that has to be where we anchor mm -hmm. our our portfolio, um, and that and that's true. Uh, that said, I think we also subscribe to the belief that um, entrepreneurship and 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 the whole ecosystem of supporting 
an idea to to an eventual successful outcome uh, has become more global, right? And and it can happen outside of those centers. Yep. Um, and so, you know, the 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 challenge as an LP investor is to, you know, take the appropriate amount of risk, right, for what you might expect as the premium. Yeah. Um, so, you know, to chat a little bit about China as a as a as a as a good example, um, I would say, you know, when we first began investing in China, which is over ten years ago now, um, one of the top risks on, on on our mind was, you know, this question around exit viability. Okay. Right. How 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 many you know companies could really grow to a scale that they can, you know, go go IPO and, and exit, um, and 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 how many? Right. Does does it does it work? Um, and that was largely just because, you know, is the market big enough for technology right. and, and, and users? And very few precedents. Right. 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 Um, and, and exactly. And then if you were really just following the more traditional venture capital sort of opportunity set, you, you might naturally conclude, right, it's, you know, this is obviously pre, you know, iPhone and pre right. a lot right. of the consumer right. driven innovation and the business model. And, and 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 frankly, China was a relatively poor country right. at that point right. as well. Um, it's not illogical to, to come to that conclusion. Yeah. That that's your key risk. Now, you know, fast forward, you know, this many years. Now we look back. You know, obviously, the the number and the magnitude of the venture backed success, technology broadly related success, probably has surprised most on the upside. In China, particularly. In, in China, yeah. particularly, yeah. right? So, so you know, this is not a particularly good uh, example, you know, because you know, unicorns. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it, there's a lot of TBD here, right? Um, but if you look at, for example, the the, the current stats, um, you know, roughly 200 uh, unicorns globally, um, 197 to be exact. The U.S. is 54 percent of that. Okay. Uh, this is as of a few months ago okay. uh, this year. China's 23%. Mm. By comparison, India's 4%. Mm. UK is 4%. And mm. Germany and, and, and South Korea are each 2%. And no other country other than those had more than three. Mm. Um, so, so if you think about that, right, almost half of the US, US portion and 23%, almost a quarter, are China companies. Right. And and if you look at the top five of that list, the unicorn, um, in, right now, based on, you, you know, at least last run valuation, it's Uber and Didi, which is the mm-hmm. Uber equivalent, um, right, which Uber owns part of Didi too. Right, right. As you know, and then it's Xiaomi mm-hmm. and it's um, Airbnb and Palantir. Mm-hmm. So two of the five, right? So reasonably are China, very, very uh, significant. So and then, and then if you compare and contrast that to how much sort of venture funding there was in China historically, now that has changed. So so we can come back to that, and that's the even more shocking thing, right? So you know, two thousand back in two thousand. Okay, this is before we were active in China, but yep. just as a comparison. Twelve point eight billion venture money was raised for Europe that year. Um, Israel Israel raised three point two. 
Right. Now, wow. Do, wow. Can you get take a guess how right. much China-based venture capital raising was back in 2000? Uh, okay, you're putting me on the spot. <laughs> but I'll guess uh, under a billion. 200 million. Wow. Yeah. 200 million. Yeah. Right. And and if you even if you fast forward in 2005, 06, when we just began, um, China raised ha half a billion. Right. Yeah. Wow. In 2005. Wow. That's the that's the venture fundraising per year for wow. that for that country. Um, now that has changed, so we we can come back to that, which which it's it's set of risks and and and, and you know and challenges. Um, but suffice to say, right. If you if you just do the inputs and outputs, right? You know how much venture money was spent into that ecosystem. Pick your time spot, yeah. right? Two thousand two yeah. to two thousand ten, and then how many, you know, roughly, right? Exits were there um, that have come out. So so it has obviously proven itself to be a very um, vibrant uh, venture market. Yep. Both in scale and and in and and in in you know the number of successes, is the I've I've two follow up questions particularly about China. Um, are there um, the same IPO liquidity issues that exist in China as as do today? Because obviously there's an extraordinary number of very highly valued private companies in the U.S. Right of which probably a much smaller number will ultimately be able to go public. Right. Um, is there a similar dynamic in China? So in terms of, you know, and, and I asked that in relation mm. to maybe some of the firms that you've invested in there, yeah, achieving yeah. Liquidity. Uh, liquidity in a yeah. different way than right. the U.S. firms have. I think that's that's one of the key um, uh, considerations today, right? Having been at it, which is, you know, record of liquidity. Yeah. Um, and that's true for, U.S.-based venture managers mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. um, you look at the gains from the 07, 08, 09 vintages. Um, there's still a lot of paper gains, right? Right. Um, and 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 so for China, um, it's the, the the answer is is multifold. So um, a good number of the China-based companies are uh, set up. To go public in the U.S. Okay, right. right. So, so if you think of right, right Alibaba is li listed here in yep. the U.S. And, and you know, and so is, I mean, there's a whole long list sure. of them. Um, for th in in those cases, the path to liquidity after IPO is no different, mm -hmm. right, from any other you know um, IPO companies, mm -hmm. no matter where they started. A relatively newer phenomenon is companies choosing to go public in China right. itself. There, the actual path, even assuming the company is successful in going IPO to actually finally getting, you know, the money um, in RMB and then right figuring out all the taxes and converting back to U.S. dollars and and coming out of the country, that is a much longer path. Okay. Um, than the typical six month lockup if okay. you were here. Um, now, if your question is, you know, also about well, how many of these privately valued will eventually actually achieve liquidity, um, and and you know, in China know, or in, in China in particular, um, you know, that that's a different question. I think it, it will probably be not that different from 
my over overall view of of this club of very highly valued companies, right? Some, I mean, we already know in 2016, you know, seven unicorns uh, either were sold below a billion, right, and or had down rounds below below that number, um, and. And that arguably, you know, is that the right number per year to for that to to attract or or not? I I don't know, but I think you'll you'll see this phenomena of certain companies, you know, being either you know outcompeted by newer comers and or right have to reset mm-hmm. uh, their valuations relative to what expectation was maybe a couple of years ago. Um, but on the other hand, you know. There's also the winners that can continue to compound, and will will continue to scale, and that's probably true for for China-based companies as well. Okay, H- how do you think about diligencing managers abroad um, in China? And I know that you uh, do some work in Israel and some other areas right, as well. Right, right. Um, but I I, I want to stick to China just for a second. I mean, sure. h- how do you think about diligencing managers there compared yeah. to the U.S.? And yeah. it sounds like from what you described, there are a lot more uh, new VCs in mm. China mm. today. So maybe similar to the U.S. There's yeah. tons of new managers right. in the right. U.S. How do you think about bringing a similar diligence, diligence process yeah. to China? And are there specifically different attributes that right, you right. look for you, with managers there compared to the U.S.? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, there are there are definitely common threats um, as we. You know, think about investing in in with a U.S. manager versus a China manager or Israel manager. Right. Um, you, you know, the process itself is 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 equally thorough and mm-hmm. and 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 detailed. Um, so, you know, when it comes down to you know analyzing performance, right, both realized and more importantly, trajectory. And, and even independent forecasts of unrealized companies, mm-hmm. that has there's no no difference. Um, or in, in terms of you know uh, seeking you know peer validation right um, through other investors that that we know and trust and, and yep. have experience with and and engaging all of that, there really isn't any difference. I'd say the 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 areas where you know that tend to be more of a on our radar screen as we think about, you know, a, a just take as China, you know, based manager as example. Um, there are some areas where I think we have have more of a focus. Um, so, so one, for example, is um, this question around um, you know team risk and team stability. And we're talking about and, uh, particularly the the. VC team that's at correct, the firm. correct, yeah. yeah. So the GPs, the GP themselves, yeah. right? You know, not that that's not a important consideration when we think about a U.S. manager, but you, you know, when you think about the the magnitude of the growth in the market and compressed in the time period, it, it does. Yeah, it, it just means more temptation or or right opportunity cost for everybody, mm-hmm. and so. Um, and 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 we've seen that you know that's another key risk early on we identified and has played uh, in, both in our you know throughout in, in the ecosystem you know you you sometimes see this music chair of people right changing and leaving so so that that is a 
you know issue that we we pay a lot of attention to and and I uh, related to that one um is I think this question around you know what is the uh, the a team's sort of long-term vision for what they want to build right and and there really truly is no right answer to that I mean we're invested with you know funds that that you know have scaled um you know, beautifully and, and are very successful even at, at the scale they manage, you know, US, right, and, and China. Um, but we, we also have funds where have done incredibly well and decide to remarkably, right. you know, stay where they are right. and have not, you know, increased their fund sizes. Right. Um, in China, you know, our experience has been that, you know, goes back to this question of temptation and right. and what's what's possible and what's right and the peer pressure, frankly. Um, you know, you know when you see your peers, you know, raising bigger funds. raising much much bigger funds very quickly, right? There there is that. So that level of um, ambition and tension, you know, between that and running a very you know long term focused successful firm. I think we 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 spend more time thinking about that. Um, you know, we we have um, you know walked away from from you know some situations where um, that you know we felt that the, the, you know there is a potential empire building, mm-hmm. um, and and not to say empire building is not appropriate, mm-hmm. but but in that particular case maybe less so, um, and. And, and generally, I'd say our philosophy is liking people that are, you know, trying to stay very true and aligned with yep. the, their investors and um, what they are really truly differentiated about. Yep. We were we were talking before we started uh, about a few firms that you work with and some of what you've been working with for a long time and, and right. some that are, are newer, newer relationships. Right. Uh, I believe we were talking about Spark sure. Capital in Boston, which is a longstanding relationship. Yeah. 83 North. Yeah. Is that right? In, in Israel. Israel. That's right. And that's a spin out of... That's a Greylock, Greylock uh, Israel spin-out. team. Yeah. And and the third was... Uh, Red Point China. Red Point China. So um, could you speak a little bit to those... Um, Firms in, in in no particular order, and maybe sure. uh, what got you excited yeah. about each? Okay, um, y- you know I think there were common themes to what what were attractive about them each at the very beginning, um, but but there were differences. So in the case of uh, Spark, you know this is um right it's it's a it's a combination of very proven investor. Right. Um, you know, who was responsible for generating, you know, a very disproportionate net of the profits of his prior firm, you know, coming together with, you know, operating people, right? Um, you know, all, all together. And um, that was when Spark formed. That was about when Spark was formed uh, about '05. Okay. Um, and and so that was unique and and was was interesting, um, but even more so than that, I think was. You know, you have to remember, oh, oh, 05, right? Back in 05, I mean, NASDAQ was still in the low 2000s. Um, right. and, and it wasn't, you know, it's not maybe exactly the nuclear winter of, mm-hmm. of after the internet bubble burst, but but it's not a, it's certainly early spring. Right, right. <laughs> you know, may, maybe still late winter in terms of where people were figuring out, right, what could work in, in you know, Web 2.0, et cetera. 
you know, looking back, of course, you know, you, you know, there, there's a great companies, you know, just coming into infancy, right? Facebook be about one year old, yeah. um, but it was not clear. And, and, you know, obviously pre iPhone and, and, and this is also a period where some of the LPs walked away from venture in hindsight, you know, not the right time to, yeah. to do that. Yeah. But so I, I, I give that context because in their case, um, you know, Spark had that vision to almost kind of go back to the roots of cap venture capital, which, you know, venture should be about funding bold ideas, right? Taking, you know, risky projects, right? And, and being ahead of the, you know, the curve yep. and, and, and others. And so they had this, this view that, that that's what they wanted to do. And, and, and they would be one or half a step ahead mm-hmm. others. Um, and in thinking about the particular type of companies that they wanted to fund, yep. that, that was at the intersection of technology and media and, yep. and all that, right? Which obviously that led to later Tumblr and Twitter and many others. Mm. Um, so, so that vision at that point of time was, was very compelling. In the case of, you know, 83 North, um, you, you know, they obviously had a great pedigree as a sponsored right. team by, by Greylock um, uh, here in the US for, for Israel and Europe. And, and so the people um, at the very beginning had very, very strong technical mm-hmm. expertise. Mm-hmm. Um, Right, you know, you have people that that used to run big chunks of storage business of EMC and and you know, global corporate de- development business uh, uh, for Cisco and and all that. And they um, were both partners at Greylock specifically in Israel. That, that's right. Right. And 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 then so they, um, so there was there was clearly you know technical expertise that was aligned with the, the fund strategy, which yep. was you know focused on enterprise. Um, and then, you know, the, the the thing that that was very impressive was also just the the thoughtfulness, both on their part and on Greylock's part in setting up the the partnership and the decision making. Mm-hmm. That you could see that there is eventually a path to a full independence, right? Where where the team could could hopefully benefit from right wisdom and experience and, and all right. that from the mothership, but not being handicapped by it. Right. As we've seen in other other situations. So that was interesting. And then And so 83 North is now an independent firm, but obviously uh that was in support and partnership with Greylock. Right. In, in in you know, they, they still have close collaboration. Right. Right. In, you know, a, a, a Greylock partner still um serves on their uh, uh you know advisory committee. Okay. And and it's and it's it's still a lot of collaboration, but you know they want to build their own it's, brand. It's rebranded partly right. to reflect right the maturity right. And, and the independence right. of that firm. Um, and in the case of you know Redpoint China, you know David um, has been investing out of the Redpoint US fund, but on, in China the, you know, out of the global fund right. in China for. Uh, over a decade, about a decade, okay. when, before he he raised a dedicated China fund, 
and and, and so he was based, but he was based in China. He was based in China, but investing out of Redpoint's U.S.-based fund. Correct. Got it. Got it. Um, he joined in the U.S. Okay. And he himself was a you know entrepreneur and and you know in his prior life and joined in the U.S. and he moved back to China, uh, probably you no know, five or six period. Um, so he had roots and, in China, and, and he he, right. he grew up in China. Got right, it. and then he you know over that ten year period, uh, investing out of the the global fund in China projects has built a beautiful track record. Mm. Um, very selective, not that many projects done per year, but incredible head rates, mm -hmm. um, both in terms of, right, the, you know, the highs, but also the lack of losses, right, um, which, right. which are um, shocking. And, and, and so the head rates in, in, in success and the magnitude of success too, um, was was really truly quite remarkable, and we um, so in this case, right? You know, as a existing Redpoint, you know, investor, um, we had the opportunity to observe him mm -hmm. over a long period of time, and, and right. doing that in a very almost low key, um, certainly very low ego fashion, um, which is aligned with what we were talking about earlier, right? What what kind of a firm do you want to build? Yeah. Um, Right, you know, sometimes financial success is correlated with headline right. um, attention. Sometimes it's not. Right, it can become a distraction. And in in his case, you know, I think he clearly he and his partners in, in China have a clear vision to want to build a you know very focused on returns and and minimize all any other distraction. So when he decided to raise a, uh, a dedicated China fund, you know, it was a was a natural um right. you know decision for us right yeah um so i want to talk a little bit about uh uh back to grove street just for a sec um how how do you um typically work with managers are you mm -hmm. sitting on their board do you think about um how, how do you think about adding value to the firm as as the yeah. firm grows over time right so um with you know, we, we do tend to, um, particularly for managers that are earlier in the life cycle to, to, to serve on advisory boards. And, um, you know, areas where I find um, where we could maybe be a useful sounding board um, and a thought partner are, you know, first and foremost, right, very naturally is, is about, you know, building your investor base and, and fundraising. Right. Um, you, you know, when when a, when the newer team is comes into life and, and raises capital, uh, you know sometimes it, you also just kind of have to do what you have to do yeah. to get into business and yeah. and then, um, uh, but it, you know at the, at some point when you are able to think about what is the you know ideal long term base I want to build, um, the type of investors I want. Um, uh, for the for the very long term, right? That becomes uh, a factor as you yeah. think about how do you uh, you know when do you raise how much and 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 how right and and so that's an area where I think we can um, sometimes be helpful. Yep. Um, you know, in offering advice um, and introductions. Um, you know, I. You know, another area where. Um, it's not frequent, um, but it has uh, occurred a couple of times uh, is where 
you know, when the man when managers are looking to um, uh, seeking reference on on a potential, you know, partner hire. Yep. Um, yep. Right, and and so, you know, obviously, you know, if you have been at different firms, and and you know, sometimes you know people by reputation and and the deals that they worked on, um, but if you could speak to, you know, an LP that 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 has known a particular yep. person, you know, for a long period of time, and 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 provide that perspective, yep. uh, you, you know, particularly on the softer side of, what, you know, is it likely that culturally you will jail, right? And and what right. what is it like, right? You know, it's it's another data point, I guess, right? Um, yeah, but of course, you know, if 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 they're relying overly on on my advice to make that decision, that probably is not the right thing either, right? <laughs> so, uh, I want to ask you about the the current market environment mm. today. Mm. We've discussed a bunch. There's a lot of capital yes. in the ecosystem globally. It seems right. U.S., China, everywhere. Israel, yeah. Europe. I mean, everywhere, almost at every stage. You know, you're you're ten years into Grove Street. You've backed some amazing managers. Are you are you just as excited about the market mm. today as mm. maybe mm. you know we were talking about Spark <laughs> in 2005 it was right, a particularly right. good time. Sure, and. You know, if so or if not, you know, where are the particular areas of the market that you yeah, find yeah. maybe particularly interesting or yeah. um areas that you're that you're yeah. you know avoiding nervous about. <laughs> you know, I I'd say the 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 number one um I, I don't know if this is a worry or, or or a wish thing is of course, you know, as investors that that, you know, have been are behind some of the these companies, right? I, I, you know, would love to see, um, you know, a, a more robust IPO market. Yeah. Um, right. We've had a good few years in, in 13, 14, um, but 16 was, was quite poor. Yeah. Um, right. The number of venture backed IPOs in, in 16 was, was 39, you know, compared to, you know, almost 80 the prior year. Right. And 122 in, in, right. in 15, in, in 14, I'm sorry. Um, so, so you know, converting, you know, more of the paper gains into realized gains yep. as an investor, sure. right? That's, that's clearly one thing that I, uh, that's very top on our minds. So, so you know, for managers that, um, that are very focused on driving liquidity, you know, um, in both good times and bad times, um, you know, it, it tends to be a key consideration and, 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 and frankly, value creation yep. um, of the whole business. And so, so that's probably the number one thing I, I you know, hope for, I, I guess. Um, what, what do you think might be a driver of maybe the IPO markets, whether it's in the U.S. or Europe or, or farther abroad? You know, I, I think this is, you know, I'm much less of an expert on, on public markets um you, you know obviously you know 13 14 were very healthy and and 15 right, right. was was very good and 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 you know a lot of distributions have happened i mean we mm -hmm. um a lot of them have converted to cash and and so and 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 we've benefited from that um you know significantly the you know it's not clear to me what why 16 was so low um, and, and 17, I guess it's, you know, TBD, you know, snap, 
um, right. biggest IPO in 17, um, was one where people were hoping, right, would, 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 would lead to more. And there's definitely a lot of companies in registration yeah. that have the yeah. scale to go. So I, I guess we'll just have to see. Um, that's probably more to do with macro, you know, other factors mm. outside of us. Um, you know, to your point about the abundance of capital in the ecosystem, you know, that that is something um, clearly, you know, create the potential of the financing risk on top right. of the technology opportunity, yep. right? I think we are as bullish, if not more, than 10 years ago, you know, personally, I, I am on the sort of technology and the business opportunity yeah. right. of, of startup, um, right? How fast is to start a company and how relatively much richer set of data you can gather in a much shorter period of time yep. while burning less capital, while it still costs a lot more to, to scale capital, to scale a company too, but the outcome could be also enormous. Yep. Um, so so that part I think is not not a worry and, and I'm quite long-term bullish. I think the worry is more around this interim you know, noise or financing risk mm. created by the, the abundance of capital. Particularly late stage capital. Particularly late stage. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, th this is clearly the right. If you if you chart sort of you know series A, B, C, D, you know, medium post money valuation right from you know over time, you'll see this hockey stick for C and D right starting right around right. thirteen right um, where the values are too high, they've raised too much money, and then all of a sudden it makes it just that much harder to go public. It, 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 that that's one situation right, right. where right. where where the you know maybe the public market valuation expectation is behind, right? What this company, you know, what the private has already priced on it. Right, um, right. In such a forward fashion. What do you think about the Vision Fund? Because that, that yeah. seems to maybe be the, uh, yeah. oddly, the IPO right, right. antidote. Yeah, right. For some, for some, for right, some right. venture firms for, and companies. Yeah, you know, this concept of that, that's, Certain private companies will stay even longer, stay private longer, and and compound. I I think that's um, not a logical right decision, and we've already seen this. I mean, right? You know, if you look at the medium sort of IPO yeah. valuation of a tech company, you know, in the eighties and nineties, and now and in the future, so so more value is accruing to the private yeah. rounds. There's no question, um, but I still believe that you know fundamentally, you know venture is about you know building companies that are someday hopefully can be standalone yep. and and you know and face the ultimate test right yep. of capital markets and 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 so it's a very healthy milestone for yep. a company to go to, you know the the vision fund I you know I don't know I think it, there's also you know, in a way, it's more of a private equity play, mm. um, right? And, you know, I don't know the details around it, but but if you think about some of the potential leverage within the fund mm. um, and, and how they are thinking about it, I almost don't think of it as venture, mm. yeah. as, as more private equity. Yep. Um, it might be an opportunity for some of our early investors to, to right, to, you know, get liquidity yeah. um, as well. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for taking the time, Bruce. Uh, this was an incredibly interesting conversation. 
and a good reminder that our business is, is everywhere and it's global. And um, so I really appreciate the perspective. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you. This podcast was created by Nick Charles and Alex Lines, partners at Notation Capital. Notation is a pre-seed venture capital firm in New York. We work with technical founding teams in the trenches from day zero. You can find us on Twitter at Notation Capital. Thanks to Carta for sponsoring this episode. eShares is now Carta. We use the product at Notation and recommend it to all the companies we work with. Carta also has a product specifically for LPs. Carta for LPs allows you to easily manage K1s, capital calls, investment KPIs, and more. If you want to learn more about Carta for LPs, visit carta.com. We'd also like to thank Silicon Valley Bank. SVB is the bank of the world's most innovative companies and their investors. Their experts help innovators, enterprises, and investors move their bold ideas forward. Tap into the experience and connections of the SVB team for advice on strategic, operational, and tactical issues and limited partner insights. Silicon Valley Bank is a member of the FDIC. If you like this episode, please share and remember to tag it with the hashtag OpenLP.